Praise God. Oh, if you have your Bibles, if you would, open up to Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, read through 26. Before I jump in, um, a lot have been asking about Liam, Kimmy's uh, little boy, my grandson. Um, if you would, just continue to pray that for a diagnosis, uh, a good diagnosis. Um, you know, there have been the hospital for five days. He's gone through a lot of tests. I'll tell you, if... Uh, if any little guy can take it, it's Liam. He, he's got such a good spirit and uh, such a strong little guy. But uh, it's hard for he, he said every time he sees a doctor and scrubs come in the rooms, room, he says, no, no, bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> I love it. I'm saying, what a smart little kid. Uh, every single time he's like, no, no, bye-bye, bye-bye. Um, but just continue to pray for, for, uh, for Aaron and Liam, uh, Aaron and Kim and Liam uh, for, like I said, a... a a more positive diagnosis because it's a bit challenging right now. They don't really have the specifics. We really appreciate your prayers. All right, Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. Listen to this. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. <clears throat> yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am, go, if I am to go on living in the body... This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. We're continuing our series this morning, Follow the Leader. <clears throat> and I, I want to I touch on a subject that, that subject that keeps so many of us from fulfilling God's purpose and plan for our lives, and that is really having the wrong perspective, not having an eternal perspective. It would be great, wouldn't it, if we could all go through life with the right perspective? Not a temporal perspective, but an eternal perspective. If we could all just kind of live our lives that way, but it's very difficult. Have you ever known someone who seems to always have the, the right attitude? They always ha- seem to have the right perspective, regardless of what they're involved in. Don't you just want to slap those people sometimes? I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, they seem to always have that, that a good spirit about them, no matter what's going on in their lives. Like, you know, they, 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 whatever, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, whatever, whatever it is, they're able to, to overcome. A person with an eternal perspective lives a full and impactful life. Like I said, they see every situation. 
they, they see every opportunity as, as a, a time where they can further the cause of Jesus Christ, where they, can, where they can build the kingdom of God. Whatever they go through, they have that eternal perspective. Their car breaks down and they lead the mechanic to Christ. They go through a health issue and they're the ones in the hospital who are witnessing to the nurses and the doctors, to all the medical staff. And the doctors are there are supposed to be to, to invest into and to in, encourage you. But, but those people seem to have a larger perspective and are able to witness to or encourage the medical staff even as they go through difficult times. Why? Why is that? It's because for them, every, everything in their life seems to have a purpose in Jesus Christ. Everything they go through seems, they seem to understand that it has a purpose in Jesus Christ. They seem to have, they seem to live in a sense with a destiny in mind. They have an eternal perspective. They don't get caught up in the temporal, the things, uh, you know, everyday things. You know, obviously we deal with those things, but they, they don't get caught up in a temporal perspective, but they have an eternal perspective. Look at verse 18. This really gives you a feel for the man that we're talking about, Paul. I'm going to go a little further up. Okay, Paul is in prison. He's, he's going through a difficult time, really challenging. And this is what he says. The former, these are people preaching Christ kind of around him, just to bug him. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But listen to what he says. But what does it matter the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I don't know about you, but if I'm, if I'm away somewhere on some trip and I get stuck somewhere for four or five, six months, and I hear someone's stirring up a little bit of trouble for me back here at home, I, I'm not, I, I probably won't have that attitude. But Paul has this attitude. Here are people trying to stir up trouble for him while he's in prison. They're preaching the gospel with the wrong motives, probably trying to draw glory to themselves in some way, power, maybe some, some money or whatever the case may be, what people would follow after them. But Paul's attitude is, what does it matter? Whether from false motives or pure, as long as Jesus Christ is being preached, that's what really matters. Now, Paul gives us some clues to how we can live this kind of life in the passages we've just read. In verse 18, Paul speaks about rejoicing. Rejoicing. Remember again that Paul is in prison while he's writing this. So you have to ask the question, why is he rejoicing? How could, how could he be rejoicing? Why rejoice? It isn't because he's about to be released. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know if he's going to be set free anytime soon or if he'll be falsely accused and ultimately put to death. But he can say, I can still rejoice. Paul can still rejoice through all his circumstances. You can imagine, imagine being chained to Paul in prison. Can you just, I mean, can you think about that for a moment? Here's this guy, no matter what, has shipwrecks, whatever goes on in his life, and he seems to be able to keep an eternal perspective, a focus, always willing to share the love of Jesus Christ with, with, with anyone around him. And if you're chained to him, boy, either become a Christian or lose your mind, one or the other, that's what's going to happen, uh, because he is not going to, regardless of his circumstances, he's going to focus his life on Jesus Christ. Paul can rejoice because Jesus Christ was first in his life. Regardless of what was going on in his life, Christ was first. He said, I can rejoice because he put his hope in God. He constantly put his hope in God. Paul's attitude was not based on his circumstances. 
It was based on his relationship with Jesus Christ. So whatever his circumstances, his relationship with Jesus Christ superseded everything that was going on in his life because he could keep that eternal perspective. Remember, this is the same man who wrote in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That was Paul. I love, now, now notice he says, all things, not just the good things, not just the fun things, not just the easy things, all things, whatever it was, whatever went on in his life, he said, all things, God can take the most difficult of circumstances and work them out for his glory and our benefit. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Where do you put your hope this morning? Christmas, Christmas time, hope and joy and peace and all. Where do you put your hope? Where do you find your hope this morning? Paul finds his hope in Jesus Christ. In verse 19, Paul had another way of, of expressing this eternal perspective, and it was through prayer. Paul depended on prayer. Paul was always asking other people to pray for him. He was, he, he was constantly asking, pray for me. I will pray for you. Prayer, prayer, prayer. He was a man of prayer. He knew that if his life was going to, if he was going to have victory in his life, if he was going to have the kind of life that God wanted him to live and fulfill his ultimate purpose, that he would come through a life of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Remember, it was Paul who said, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. He prayed all the time. He was connecting with the Father all the time. Paul says, follow my example. As I follow the example of Christ, Paul was a man of prayer. It was Paul who said, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, he says this, pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. There he goes again. It wasn't, again, these words aren't just chosen out because, you know, I'll just kind of pick them here. In all circumstances, pray continually. You see, Paul, Paul, for Paul, all circumstances are a part of his spiritual journey. Everything he goes through is a part of his spiritual journey. He sees in the context of a complete spiritual journey throughout his life. There's nothing that happens that he doesn't put into that context. Everything revolves around the sun, S-O-N. Everything that happens revolves around Jesus Christ. So he puts all things, pray continually in all circumstances because he understands that whatever we go through in our lives is, for, is a part of our spiritual journey. Paul shares another way to have an eternal perspective. And he says it is, it is seeking the help of the Holy Spirit. Seeking out the help of the Spirit of God. We need to live our lives in such a way that we draw on the power of the Spirit of God. Paul will not attempt anything, attempt to accomplish anything in his flesh, in himself. He was not going to try to, to do all these things on his own. He knew he had the power of the Spirit and he was going to draw from the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to stop trying to work out everything on our own. You need, we need to stop, as Christians, we need to stop doing that. People say, well, I'm going to pull myself on my own bootstraps. What happens if you don't have any boots? Really, figuratively, okay? 
What happens if you don't have any boots? Oh, you know what? You know what you can do? You can dig down. Just dig real deep. Go, go dig down deep and come up. What if you go dig deep down and you, don't have, you come up empty? You ever dig deep down and come up empty? I have. You dig deep. Oh, yeah. Put my own boots. I don't have any boots. And I dig down and I come up empty. You know, I, I, I can do it. I, I can handle it. I, 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 can, I, can, I can handle this. Or, and my, my question is, you can hand, why try? Why try to handle it? Why are you trying to handle it on your own? People say, well, you know, I, I'll handle it. I can handle it because I, I recognize, because the Bible says that God won't give me more than I can handle. Chapter and verse, someone, please, open up your Bible and show me where it says that God will not give you more than you can handle. Keep searching because you're not going to find it. They, they take that out of context in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 basically says that God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He'll always give you a way out. Totally different context. Never says that God will not give you more than you can handle. I can, I can come up with a scenario in my mind, okay? If you give me a month long of all these things happening in your life, come, you can come up with a scenario in your own mind that you will probably run into some things that you can't handle. Nothing wrong with running into things you can't handle because what you do as a Christian, when you face whether the world, the world throws it at you or the evil one throws it at you or you bring it on yourself, whatever the case may be, when you finally feel overwhelmed, you don't think you can handle it, you draw on the power of the resurrection of Christ. You don't dig down. You, you dig down. Yes, we all want to be strong. We want to stand up. We want to be able to be strong enough to handle ourselves. That's all good. But there are times in our lives where we just are not able to dig down anymore and come up with anything. But you know what we can come up with all the time? That's a never-ending source of power and strength in our lives. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that lives in us. When I come up against something I can't handle, I draw on the power of the cross. I draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul did. When you tell people, and it's, it's not wrong, it's not terrible, and, I to, and we've all said it before, you know, God's not giving you more than you handle. I don't want you to feel guilty, but think about it. It kind of makes the person who's overwhelmed feel a little guilty because they don't feel like they can handle it. What you need to say is that, you know what, regardless of what you go through in life, God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God says, I will be with you and I will carry you and you can depend on me and I will give you strength and I will give you encouragement. I will be when you are weak, then you are strong. Why? Because through my power of the Holy Spirit, through my resurrection power, that's the encouragement we can give. That's the encouragement we can give. And Paul knew that. And Paul drew on the power of the Holy Spirit of God. My friends, if we are going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to have complete submission to Jesus Christ. This is not, this is, this is, this is not uh, a game for the, for the, for the weak, okay? This is not a, this is not a, a, a life for those who, who, who just kind of want to skirt through. This, is, this takes a lot here, what we're talking about. And you need to be completely submissive to Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can willingly allow in our lives that we know will displease Christ. That's how we have to live our lives. We have to be in such a state where we will not willingly allow anything that displeases Christ to be a part of our lives. All that does is bring difficulty and trial. All it does is bring pain and suffering. 
And we can live that kind of life through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We can't do it in our own power. If you try to do it in your own power, you're not going to overcome that habit. You're not going to overcome that difficulty. You're not going to overcome your past. You're not going to overcome it in your own strength and your own power. But in the power of Christ, we can do all things. Paul was saying we need to focus on the Holy Spirit of God. That's key to the Christian life. You can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was a very smart and gifted man, but he never tried to do it on his own. He didn't. He was extremely intelligent, extremely gifted, but he, he didn't do it on his own. He had great knowledge. He had great ability, great skills as a missionary, but he depended on and he needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we were never created to face this life on our own. Do you understand that? You and I were never created from the beginning to do this life on our own. That's not the plan. It isn't the plan right now. God doesn't expect you to face all the... And my goodness, you guys have difficulties to face. He doesn't expect you to face it on your own. Doesn't want you to face it on your own. Doesn't, doesn't, Doesn't call you to face it on your own. Isn't expecting you to face it on your own. We were not created by God to face this life on our own all alone. Why try? It's not, why bother trying? You prove nothing. Why do it on your own when God is saying, I will be there for you? Paul says, these things will work out, all these things will work out for his deliverance. So he takes all these things in context, all the difficulties, all the challenges, all the goods, all the bad, all the ups, all the downs. And he says, all this will work out for his deliverance. Now, again, remember, remember where he's writing this from. All these things will work out for my deliverance. Paul knew, he knew he could trust God in his present situation. But he's thinking beyond his present situation. He's thinking also of the future when he can see, when he'll be able to see Jesus Christ face to face. Face to face and have that relationship face to face. For Paul, his spiritual journey, past, present, and future were all the part of one story. They weren't compartmentalized. They were all part of one ongoing story. So, so, so he can rejoice in how his circumstances work out for his deliverance. He can rejoice in that. He understood it. He knows that the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the difficult, all can work out for his deliverance ultimately. That God will work all these things out. Remember again, he's in prison here. You know what I've learned, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Okay, not now. Don't raise your hand and start yelling out. But what, I, what I've learned in life is that it's often the challenges and difficulties that define our character. It's, it's the hardships that tell us who we are. How do you know who you are if every part of your life, everything that you do is just one big happy, you skip through the tulips all the time. Man, it's all awesome for you. How do you know who you are if you've never faced a challenge? It is through the challenges and the difficulties that we, we, we realize our character. It's through the trials and the difficulties that we find out who we are, what we're made of. That's how we know. And Paul is putting all these things in context. He, I'm sure he loves it when things are going well for him. But you know what? Whether they're going well for him or not, what did he say? I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's all a part. Everything revolves around the sun. 
Everything revolves around Jesus Christ. That is his life. That is his focus. An eternal perspective sees all of life as a part of our spiritual journey. All of it. All of it. Everything as a part of our spiritual journey. In verses 22 and 23, Paul tells us that an eternal perspective, he can have eternal perspective because he has a heavenly mindset. He has a heavenly mindset. He's heavenly minded. He had a, he, you know, he had an, an, an inter, he interacted with the world, but he never lost sight of his future glory. He was in the world. He, I mean, he, was, he wasn't of it. He wasn't participating in things that were sinful, but he participated in the world. But he never, as he participated, as he walked along and did the things that everybody else would do in, the, in this world, he never lost sight of the future glory. So even though in all of his interactions, he never lost sight of what was important. As a matter of fact, Paul really struggled here. He really struggled. Paul looked at death with, with anticipation, as you read through here. He looked at death with anticipation because he could see, he could see heaven was on the other side, was the next step. Remember, his joy comes from Christ. His life is wrapped up in his relationship with Jesus Christ. So he was struggling her a little bit. You know, he, he's talking about, you know, I, I want to be with you, but I desire to depart. So he had this internal struggle going on. For, for, for Paul, heaven means a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to have that deeper relationship. He sees gain. He sees, he sees leaving this life as actually a gain. How many people can look at this life and the, the, the people fear death? They, they don't look forward to it. They're just so consumed with, oh, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. Paul was saying, you know what? When that time comes, I see it as a gain because my, my life revolves around Jesus Christ and heaven means I become closer. I get closer to him. Paul would rather depart and to be with Jesus Christ. You know, he wasn't thinking about dying. He wasn't walking around wishing he, was die, wishing he would die or looking for opportunities to die. It's not, you know, a lot of times on earth here, we're like, oh man, this is so, I just, you know, I just, I just want to check out. That's not what he was talking about here. It's not what, that's not what Paul was talking about. He just saw, again, the bigger picture, the eternal perspective and he could see, he could see that when he gets to spend that time with Christ, it's going to be a gain. And that's what he desires. He is so bound together with Jesus Christ because he's had such an incredible experience with Christ here on earth that he's just looking forward to that deeper experience that he's going to have when he can actually spend time with him in eternity. He, he would know Christ more. He was so bound together with Jesus Christ that he could, that he could look at departing as gain. He, he had such an eternal perspective that he could look at once I end up leaving here, I count it as gain because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and I'm saying um, this, I'm not making a, I'm just making a generality here, but some businessmen, for, for some businessmen or women, life is all about accumulating wealth. For some in the academic world, life is all about accumulating knowledge. For some in the sports world or the, or say the, the, act, the actors or actresses or whatever, it's all about having your name up in life. For most politicians, life is all about um, you know, getting more power, seeking after more power. Paul, for Paul, life was all about Jesus Christ. 
It was about accumulating knowledge of Jesus Christ. It was about being more engrossed in Jesus Christ. It was about Jesus Christ. Everything, everything he was, everything he did was Christ. That was his all-consuming passion because he had this eternal perspective. He had an incredible eternal perspective. He could see things that other people sometimes couldn't see. His whole life was seen through those lenses. Every, when he was interacting with people, he, could, he sees through the lenses of Christ. When he's doing his work, he does it through the lenses of his relationship with Christ. Whatever he's doing in his life, he does it through those lenses because of his deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Why do you think, why do you think so many people are having such a difficult time with Tim Tebow? You think about it. Oh, they're having such a difficult time with Tim Tebow. They don't, the world does not understand this man. Jake Plummer, who is such an incredible quarterback in his own right for the Denver Broncos, tongue-in-cheek, said this, I think that when he accepts the fact that we know that he no longer, that, that, that when we know that he loves Jesus Christ, then I think that I will like him a little better. I'm sure Tim could sleep that night knowing that Jake Plummer likes him a little better if he just kind of tone it down a little bit. See, Jake Plummer doesn't get Tim Tebow, doesn't, doesn't understand him. Jesus is not a part of Tim Tebow's life. It's not his religion. It, it, it's, Jesus Christ is everything to him. That's what matters to him. And he doesn't understand that. Jesus is his life. Notice what they're saying here too. Hey, football is secular. So keep your religion to yourself. That's exactly what's happening. Put this into context now, okay? Here's a person where Jesus Christ is first in their life. What usually happens is if you're a professional whatever, then this is your, what, this is your world and everything revolves around your world. So if you're a professional athlete, a professional football player, that is your world and everything else, your religion, your family relationship, everything revolves around that. Sorry, Tim Tebow comes along and says, Jesus Christ, the son is my son and everything revolves around that. Football is just what I'm doing now. It is what God has given me the ability to do now, so I will glorify the Son. Everything revolves around that. See, what they're saying is it's secular, so he should just keep it to himself. Let me ask you a question. Is football sinful? Okay, if football, unless you're a Steelers or or a Browns fan. (laughs) I know emails, just joking a little bit here. Yeah, amen. No one said amen, though. Okay, if football is not sinful, then it's, say, say it louder, sacred. If football is not sinful, then it's sacred, okay? Now, if you're not going to tell Paul to tone it down, then why are you telling Tim Tebow to tone it down? Follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't understand. I'm, I'm sorry why Christians are having, even Christians are having a hard time with Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is following the example of Paul, who's following the example of Jesus Christ. See, we're, we're caught in this kind of secular, sacred mindset. Since there's no such thing as secular, if something is not sinful, then it is sacred. If it's sacred, then what is Tim Tebow doing? Exactly what he should be doing. Everything I have, everything I do, everything I think, all the glory goes to God. All the glory goes to God. I don't see that this this Jake Plummer is basically and I'd like him more if he just could figure out that we knew he loved Jesus. Just say it once and then leave it on the sideline. No, I'm sorry. That's not that's not 
what a Christian does. That's not what God is calling him to do. He's living out his... You know what he's doing? Shocking, shocking to even Christians. He's living out a biblical worldview. It's exactly what he's doing. If it's not sinful, it's sacred. He's going to glorify God through his giftedness in football. That's what he's going to do. And you know what? When he retires, whether it's next year or 10 years from now, you know what he's going to do? Go into business. You know what he's going to do in business? He's going to pray before a meeting. He's going to pray for his customers. He's going to pray for those who deliver to his business. He's going to invest in the lives of people or, uh, to, to his employees or his employer. He's going to invest in their lives. He's going to pray for them. He's going to love them. He's going to encourage them. He's going to share the love of Jesus Christ with him. And when he's too old and he retires someday, you know what he's going to do? He's going to go serve somewhere, probably on the mission field somewhere. He's going to go serve in the mission field and invest in the lives of children or orphans and whatever the case may be. That's what he's going to do. And then he's going to take his last breath and he's going to go into eternity doing the same thing he did here on earth. He's not going to have to figure things out. He's going to do the same thing. Paul was saying this next life is just an extension of how I am living in this one. The next life is just an extension of how I live my life here to live. Listen to these words, okay? Listen, please listen. If you're a believer in Jesus, you'll understand this. To live is Christ. To die is gain. To live is Christ. Jesus Christ died for you so that you could live for him. To live is Christ, to die is gain. We read that, no one argues with that. Tim Tebow comes along and lives that out and people are scratching their heads. We got a problem. We got a problem. Here's another question I have for you. Who is going to be, I'll say the Paul, Tim Tebow in, in football, who's going to be the Paul of the business world. Now, I know there are some people in the business world who are, who are living it out to live as Christ. Who's going to be? Who in this room is going to be the Paul of whatever you do? Who's going to be the Paul of the actor, actor's world, in the sports world? Who's going to be the Paul of the academic world? We know we have Robbie Zacharias and Norm Geisler and other people like that. Who's going to be the Paul of the, of the business world? Who's going to be that person? Because that's the expectation that God has for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We love Christmas. Let's celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to earth in the manger as a baby. He, then you know what happened? He lived his life, got chased around constantly because they wanted to stone him. You know why? Because he's talking, he's, he's laying this stuff out. Well, it's hard to do. I don't want to think I want to follow him anymore. And then he died on a cross. He died for you so you can live for him. And my goodness, we're confused and we see people praying. They're, you know, tone it down. Don't tone it down, Tim. Don't, don't tone it down. If you were allowed to write John 3, 6 in your helmet, write on your helmet. Don't, don't, don't tone it down. When Paul uses the word depart, when he uses the word depart to be with Christ, he's using a metaphor. It, 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 was, it was like a ship leaving the dock and going out to sea. It's like the idea here is that a ship is loosened from the dock and it sets out into deeper waters. 
What Paul's talking about is when he leaves this earth, when he leaves this world and he departs from this world, he will go and learn more about Christ. He will learn the deeper things of God. He looks forward to departing because what he, what he can't understand now, when we say, I don't understand why do this or why are this or why that, things we can't understand now, when we get to be with Christ, all of you will be revealed and we'll understand it all. And Paul's looking forward to the day when he can not only experience Christ like he has here on earth, but he can experience Christ on a much deeper, much deeper level, more profound level. We need to keep in mind, all of us, that this world is not our home. That we are just, we are strangers and aliens of this world. This world is not our home. We're just visiting. We will be home when we stand face to face with Jesus Christ. We will be home when we stand with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We forget and we lose perspective when we become entangled in the things of this world. And I'm not talking about, I want you guys out there. You know this already. If you've been here for more than a week, you need to get out there in the business world, in the sports world, in the academic world, in the arts world. You need to get out there and you need to be, you need to, you need to live out Christ in those areas. All those things are sacred. If they're not sinful, they're sacred. All of them are sacred. You need to bring your life, bring who you are, bring all your gifts, bring all your talents to bear on every area of society. But what you can't do is get entangled in the things of this world, the sinful things, the things that pull you away, the things that that keep you from living out the purpose that God has for you in your life. When that happens, you begin to change and your life begins to change and you start to have a temporal perspective and you can't see things the way Paul can see them from an eternal perspective. Paul had the right attitude. He was looking heavenward but that's not where it ended look at verses 24 through 26 paul had an eternal perspective so he committed himself to earthly service he had this eternal perspective so he was able to commit himself to earthly service you ever heard the expression uh, he's so heavenly minded he's no earthly good you ever heard that yeah that's not paul's problem Paul didn't have that problem. You could think of it when we're going through this. You know, Paul was eternal perspective. Everything revolved around Jesus. Couldn't wait to get to heaven. You know, but, but Paul, Paul was, he had a focus here. He wasn't so heavenly minded that he was no earthly good. He focused his attention on the here and now. Yes, he looked forward to the day. Yes, he would think it gained once he could be with Jesus Christ. But he knows he, it's better for him to be here with those around him, investing in the lives of the people all around him. He didn't live the secular, sacred mindset or the secular, sacred worldview. So everything he did was focused on eternity. You know, if we want to have an eternal perspective, we need to live a life of serving others. We need to have that mindset. We will, we will find fulfillment and we'll find joy in our Christian lives when we realize what Paul realized. While we're here on earth, the most important thing we can do is invest in the lives of those around us. Invest in the lives of other people. Pray for them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Love them. Support them. Sacrifice for them. That's what Paul's talking about. Yes, he's got that heavenly mindset, that eternal perspective, but it sweeps down into every area and, and, and aspect of his life. There's more to Christianity, is what he's telling us. There's more to Christianity than live, looking at the great, the, the great glory that is to come. There are so many people 
who are in this church, that are in this community, who are going through difficulties right now, who need to know the love of Jesus Christ. There's so many people who are hurting, who need the love of Christ in their lives. There, there's a work to be done, and Paul shows us by example the path to service. He lived it out in his own life. Yes, he wanted to be with Christ, but you know, think about this. He wanted to be, he loved Jesus Christ so much that he could see leaving this world as gain. He wanted to depart. He saw it as gain. But because of his deep love for Jesus Christ, he chose to stay here and be with those in the church that he was serving. He said, yeah, this, is, this I desire more, but you know what? I need to be here right. I need to be in the now. I need to be in the now. While I'm here on this earth and I have breath in my lungs, then I'm going to serve with all of my heart. Regardless of the circumstances, I'm going to serve God with all of my heart. Whether it's in prison and speaking to the prison guard, when I get out of here, hopefully I can spend time with you guys and invest in your life and I can help you grow in your relationship. I can bring more joy to your life. So here's the last question I have. How how is your service right here on earth? As you sit here this morning. How is your service here on earth? Are you living in such a way that you serve others and love Christ? First love Christ? Because as you love Jesus Christ, as he's first in your life, everything else comes into focus. We We serve others with a passion and compassion because of our deep love for Christ. Because Paul knew something else here too. Paul knew that Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Whatever you do for others, you do for me. Because of Paul's great love for Christ, because he can see things from an eternal perspective, he could also see that every gesture of love, every time you reach out and love someone and encourage someone, write them an encouraging note, support them, whatever it is, every time you do that, you're doing it for Jesus Christ. And Paul could see that he was going to stand before Jesus and Jesus was going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you for doing this and thank you for doing that and thank you for doing all these things for me because whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. Is your life committed to serving others and committed to Jesus Christ? Do you, want to have a, do, you, do you really truly want to have an eternal perspective? You begin by serving others on this earth. Time is short, my friends. Time is short. got to ask yourself, I need to ask myself, how am I living right now? How am I living right now in 2011, December 2011? How am I living my life? Because what we need to be thinking is that what we do right now in our lives, how we live our lives right now is just a part of a larger eternal story that God has given to each one of us. When you get to heaven, when you stand before Jesus Christ, you'll spend eternity worshiping him. You'll spend eternity surrounded by him in all of his glory. We need to live that kind of life now. That's what Paul is saying. We need to live with that kind of passion now, loving each other, seeing everything that we have in our lives, everything that we go through in our lives from an eternal perspective, knowing that it's all a part of a bigger story that God is going to use to strengthen us and to glorify himself. Let's pray.
Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And God, we just pray as each one of us goes through challenging times, especially during Christmas, Lord God, this, this season, it should be a time of joy and peace and contentment, but many times it just gets overwhelming and stressful and financially difficult. And uh, we love it, but sometimes can't wait for it to be over because of all those things. But Father, we pray that you would give us the strength that we need to focus on what's truly important. That we would reach out in love to each other. That students and children would understand what it means to be a servant in their homes that they would serve their brothers and sisters, moms and dads, not because the pastor tells them to, but because they're believers in you, because they're Christians. And as Christians, their desire should be to serve. And what better way to serve than to serve the people right around you at home? In our businesses, Lord God, I pray that we'd be able to reach out to those vendors, to the customers, to employees or employers and share the love of Christ on the field that we would stand up and be recognized as followers of Jesus Christ. To live as Christ, to die, is just gain. So, Father, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters here this morning. I know this is challenging, Lord. I know it is. But that's what you call. That's what you call us to be. Help us to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, each and every day. And Lord God, as we struggle, as we face difficulties and challenges, that we would come around each other and show your love in tangible, practical ways, that we would hold each other up and carry each other through the challenges, Lord God, and that you'd be pleased with what you see and that you use us. You would use Grace Chapel, this church, in a powerful way to influence and impact the lives of others that you would receive all the praise and all the glory for everything we do, everything we say, everything we are, that you'd receive the glory in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. See you all back here tonight.